0: Good morning. Good morning. Special morning, isn't it? Every uh, worship day is, but uh, this week, being a couple of days before Christmas, we want to really have a special celebration. I felt that uh, we have, and all the different singing that we had, and you can imagine all the hymn writers that uh, wrote these carols, how theologically sound they were, and so many of those songs. So, what we're going to do this year is do something just a little bit different, somewhat. I don't get too noticed. But we're going to use a Christmas song for our message. And I've always wanted to do that. i always wanted to preach a Christmas song. You say, how can you do that, right? Um, well, I got brave this year and I decided that's what I'm going to do. Why not? Let's do it. Our text for the day is going to be now out of Luke chapter 2. Everybody's familiar with that well-known passage where you have the angels and the shepherds and how many songs did we sing that were dealing with the angels and the shepherds? But the reason they wrote those songs is because uh, that was very significant. Can you imagine angels appearing to lowly shepherds and nobody else and bringing the best news that the world could ever have? Anyway, that's why you see so many of those songs dealing with that. But this Christmas hymn... Hark, the herald angels sing. And as we read along and look to and then come back to that text, we're going to expound that text in the, that's actually in our hymn book. So if you really wanted to go along with that hymn, you could probably, you um, either have it memorized or you probably could grab a hymn book and kind of go through it. But uh, I hope we can see and feel the depth of what the doctrine is that's found in this beautiful Christmas hymn. Now, many of the Christmas carols are filled with uh, the incarnation, the birth of Jesus, of course, we we'll know that. Um, but this Christmas carol does so much more than just bring out the birth of Jesus. This was written by Charles Wesley, and Charles Wesley, in his text, in the hymn, and like so many other of the Christmas carols, and not just Christmas carols, but many other hymns. It's a kind of a condensed course in Bible doctrine in poetic form because the theology is incredible. And in this one that we will do, you'll see that we'll see the incarnation, we'll see the deity, the humanity of Christ, we'll see his light, his life, the peace, mercy, reconciliation, triumph angels proclamation and the glory of it all that is to be behind it and he's able to put all that in one hymn with three verses and to be able to be understood that's what's fascinating Um, many say in fact that this may be the most doctrinal of all Christmas carols hark the herald angels sing and you'll see what I mean as we go through that Charles Wesley wrote something like over 6,000 hymns. Imagine that. Most are considered high doctrine. And on this one, he had a little bit of help with George Whitefield. Um, they were buddies. Uh, but there were a few lines that just were leaving things a little bit short. So Whitfield was able to put in a little bit of power or a little more understanding. And so, that's why you'll see his name in, uh, this, uh, in this particular hymn book that we have. Uh, Charles Wesley, George Whitfield, and uh, of course the music is done by Felix Mendelssohn, which many of you are probably very familiar with. The great uh, one who put in uh, the tunes back in the 1800s. Anyway, it's also known as the most popular hymn in the English language. That's what they say. At any rate, my desire is that we will be blessed and enlightened as we ponder, as Mary did so much of her life as she pondered on the thoughts of Christ, as we ponder on the person of Christ right in here as we look at the Scripture and then look at um, this hymn, and we want to make much of him this morning. We've already started, and we want to complete that. Of course, the Word of God is... The big instrument. And we will show who he is. And then in the third verse, we will emphasize what he brings, which is ultimately salvation. So you see the announcement of his birth, you see the person of Christ, and then we see what he brings in salvation. Let's turn to our Bibles now. Not our hymn books to start with, our Bibles. (laughs) Luke chapter two and starting at verse eight. And it's very familiar. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over the flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, "'Do not be afraid.'" For behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today, in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of a heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom He is pleased. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then, and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. When they had seen this, they made known the statement which they had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds went back. Glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen just as had been told them. Let's pray. Father, we thank You. Thank You for this message. This message that was brought from the angels to the shepherds. And what a glorious message of good news it was as people were waiting in the dark. Blinded could not see spiritually, and Christ opened the way. The light shone all about for all those who believed in Him. And Lord, as we look at Christ today, as we look at Him at every day, as we look at Him now in the Word of God, that it would express to us how valuable of a treasure that He is. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well the hymn goes, Hark the Herald Angels sing. And I know every time that we do that song, we usually have to bring out some things here. There are some heralds here. The heralds are sitting up front, the heralds sitting back there. Got got one that's a herald really that's sitting there. So the heralds are all over the place because we are all heralds. We herald the message, right? But here you have the angels, and they're saying, Hark. That means attention. Listen to this. That's the idea. It's a call to worship. That's really what it is. It's a call to worship. And you join with the angels in praising. So that's the first song that we started out today. It was a call to worship as we sang this song. And we realize it's a joyous praise, isn't it? So, not only is it with the angels. But it's with all of the earth. And of course you think of the churches spread out all, all over the world today who have been singing to the Lord. And most of them have been singing maybe even this song. But look at this first word. Hark. I mean it, it should jump out at us. Usually we just say it because it's there. It's a ye old English word, right? Archaic word. But there's something there behind it because it's God's word. When, when you really think about it, because the angels were even saying the same thing. Even though that's in a hymn, they are saying, Behold, I bring you good news. Hark! Same thing. Attention! Listen! Now, this is shouted out so that everybody would pay attention. Let him who has hears... What? Let him hear. Let him listen. It does no good for God to speak... If we will not listen. and So that's a great way to introduce it. The message of salvation really is proclaimed. Jesus has come and salvation is for all those who believe. So the first thing we need to do is hark. Listen to the voice of the Spirit of God today. Listen to Him in His words. Hark the herald. There's our word herald. Herald angels. Herald means mess, uh, to, to proclaim. Angels are messengers. They have a message. That's really what it is. Sometimes you'll see the word angelos and it doesn't always mean angel. Uh, angelos, the Greek word in the New Testament. Usually it means angels. But it can mean a message. We have a message here today. Angelos. But here, these are real angels. And they are to herald it. They are to proclaim it. Uh, they're telling the people to shout it out it's the greatest news ever known to mankind so as they are to herald that we are to herald that too bring up the great news now you know there's a question that people should be asking it's well why didn't god accompany the the angels here this this thing that's going on with spectacles like he did in the old testament like a thunder and lightning and the trumpets blaring right and all the angels are there and all the sounds are going all across the whole sky for everybody at least in Jerusalem to see but it's it's to these guys now if i had been god and it was my only son that had been born and he you know i have all the resources at my disposal to make this known my way would have been with all sorts of light shows happening incredible incredible light show that'll go even beyond all the rock stars all their shows that they have. You can imagine all that flashing how about meteor showers? How about a, a lunar eclipse? I mean, just crazy things going. How about volcanoes erupting, earthquakes, but no, you do have the angels coming. Son of God has been born. God is intervening into the history of mankind in a personal way. So God sends the choir. It's a heavenly choir. It's about the birth of His Son and He sends this great important message to a few motley shepherds. Just about the lowest on the, on the pole. You know what I mean? They're way down there as far as jobs are concerned. You know, if you're thinking of the British royalty, and of course you think of kings and princes. Let's say they send messengers out to proclaim the birth of Prince Charles, uh, firstborn son, and the message goes out to nobody but the longshoremen. How about a few taxi cab drivers? <laughs> And that's all. I mean, that's where it goes. That's it. Well, no. God did it a different way. And His ways are not our ways. Angels. What about these angels? Hark the herald angels saying They're real. Angels are realities. These are supernatural beings that serve and worship God. They're doing it right now. They've done it long before or before man was here and they worship and serve. So it's fitting that they would be the ones as being supernatural beings to bring this message forth. Now, it's too bad the shepherds weren't artists because they have, could have given us a great drawing and passed it down and here be 2,000 years later and we'd have a picture of this know, yeah, no cell phones they had you know no no cameras that they had right there in their bags or whatever uh but I got a feeling that uh we don't have any pictures uh it's too bad but people draw pictures of angels and we get all sorts of depictions of angels today <laughs> you know coming from the secular world boy it's really bad and usually it's uh Male angels are drawn as female angels. It's hard to find a male angel. But when you find it in the Bible, you always find male angels. Now, why is it that they have to do the female angels? Well, um, I guess it's females that are probably making it. No. <laughs> Don't want to get trouble here. The Bible has a lot to say about angels. Over a hundred times in the Old Testament, oh, well, well over a hundred times in the New Testament. They are sophisticated Highly sophisticated spiritual beings that are much higher than we can imagine. They are over humans at this time. Uh, they they were created before mankind. They have powers beyond human powers. They can appear and then they just disappear, these spirit beings. They have, In Isaiah, we see that they have six wings and they're flying. In the book of Hebrews, we um, Know that they're like uh, they can be like men in appearance. That people have entertained, unaware of their supernatural identity. Some occasions they uh, they appear as beings of overwhelming light. Matter of fact, it's so much that usually what happens to humans, they usually fall down and they're afraid. And then what do the angels say? Be not afraid. And so we see that fear not, right? So we know that angels play quite the the key role in in the Word of God and definitely in these songs. They're God's messengers. The message they usually bring is good. Good message. Matter of fact, I would say it's better than good. It's the best news that's ever been proclaimed. By the way, angels are numerous. How many are there? Well, I don't know. But there sure are a lot. There are myriads and myriads. Uh, thousands upon thousands of hundreds of thousands. There are millions of angels. And it would be very safe to say. Many angels. A great company of the heavenly host. Uh, if you look in Revelation 5.11. And this is a praise... Chapter here. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders and the number of them was myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the Lamb. Can you imagine millions of, of people and, that, are, that are there in heaven glorified and then with the millions and millions of angels worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing you know we had you know just a, a a few number of people and when we say words together in songs you know it has a lot of power when we put all that together now imagine this i've been in a stadium and i've heard 50,000 men sing together boy is that incredible that's nothing compared to this um let's go to um luke 213 and it says it right in our text and suddenly i mean there was one angel there by himself, and all of a sudden, suddenly, out of nowhere, in an instant, there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host. I mean, boom, boom, just like that, you've got thousands upon thousands right there in the sky. I don't know what those shepherds were thinking, but I imagine they were thinking, is, is this some kind of dream? Did I fall asleep? They're looking at the other shepherds, am I sleeping, dreaming? What's going on? What's happening? Is this real? What a moment. Now, talking about the shepherds. From a marketing standpoint, God didn't have the right idea. He blew it if He was into marketing. Because you've got to go in a big way to make everybody see this. And you have all these thousands and thousands of angels And they appear to maybe ten or fewer shepherds. Can you imagine a great big band and a choir and instruments and everything and they all show up to this concert and there's like ten people out there? And these people are really a bunch of nobodies? Maybe guys that came off the street? This is how God designed it. He said, Ah, no, that's not the way you do it. Shepherds as the audience? God, are you kidding me? The announcement we read here today. It's for everybody. It's spectacular the way that he does it. But it's only to a handful. And this shows that God brought Christ in the most humble way that he could do. And you know the whole story of how he was born swallowing cloths, and the manger, and the animals around there, and it's stinking, and it's just a terrible place. It's not a biological place for a baby to be born. We clearly would not want that to happen today. And that's the way that God did it. We know that. I think we can identify with these shepherds. These These shepherds really were ordinary, average... Everyday people. They weren't governors. They weren't kings. They weren't presidents. They weren't the theologians, folks. They were shepherds. They were everyday people. That's how God is, isn't that amazing? Not many mighty, not many noble, and we're amongst those people. None of us deserve peace on earth, goodwill to our men. Do we? Thank God. That's stated in Matthew. None of us deserve that. We are sinners. We do not deserve to be reconciled to God. And we'll see that in a moment in in this hymn, Reconciliation. But to people just like us, Average Joes, a few of them, He brought that great, stupendous message. God's ways are not our ways. God announces the birth of His Son by an angel quietly. They slip up on the shepherds, immediately show... And these shepherds have been guarding the sheep at night. all this happens. Hark, the herald angels sing what 's the next line? Glory to the newborn king what 's the next word? glory? We could spend a whole message on that couldn 't we that 's what it 's all about. This is why we are here. this is why we sing, this is why we preach, this is why we pray. this is why we take the lord 's Supper, this is why we fellowship it 's why we serve. We are all about Giving glory to God because the chief end of man is to glorify God. And as we do that, we enjoy Him forever. Glory to God. That's what it's about. The King was here. The King is here. He was only an infant. At that time, the King was there. He appeared. This is amazing. Sounds like some kind of a kid's story, doesn't it? But it goes way beyond that. Okay, what's the next line? Peace on earth and mercy mild. Peace on earth. They didn't have peace at that time, and the uh, the Jewish people were under the rule of the Romans. Uh, They had Herod as their king, and he really what he was part Jewish and or Idumean, whatever. Uh, They had all sorts of things happening there, but um, the peace we're talking about is the peace with God. Peace with God. If you turn to Romans chapter five verse one, yes. Hark! The Herald Angels Sing takes a lot of scriptures, as you'll notice. Maybe out of the great doctrinal book of Romans, out of Luke, of course, out of Micah and Malachi and other places. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Not peace among nations. That's always going to be some kind of turmoil going on. There always has been. Wars and rumors of wars, they'll go on and on till Christ comes back. But we're talking about having peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace on earth and mercy mild. They were waiting for this one of mercy to come. He's mild. He's gentle. What if he was a king that came and started slapping all the rules on people and then giving people really hard ways of living like many kings have done. Most kings have done. He's not a dictator. He's not a political dictator. He is the king, but he is a king who did, I'll say, very simple acts of mercy that actually were miraculous. He brought people back from the dead. He healed the sick. Grew arms or legs on people that didn't have those. He raised the dead. Cast out demons. Think of the things that He did. He was compassionate and merciful. He's a merciful Messiah. And mercy is at the heart of His ministry. And when you think of mercy, (coughs) you think of our miserable condition. When you think of mercy, you have to think of our misery. We are in misery, but His mercy comes along and brings us out of that situation that we're in. And so the shepherds proclaim peace and mercy mild, as Wesley put it here. Shepherds proclaim this. This is what they're waiting for. They can't wait to tell. Everybody's been waiting for this, are many? And then the next Lord. God and sinners reconciled. Boy, is that a doctrinal term or what? We're seeing great doctrines here. If you were going through a systematic theology, these are the topics that we'd be covering. We're doing it in just a few minutes, but just three verses here. Look what he got in. Reconciliation. I can think of Second Corinthians chapter five, verse eighteen for starters <clears throat> Now, all these things are from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. We were at enmity with God. We were enemy sinners who really did not honor God. And actually, we hated God, whether we knew it or not. Probably never admitted it, but we did. We hated God. And so he's the one that brings us back in to a right relationship to reconcile. You've heard of reconciling the, the bank statement, making everything right if you have a few errors, you know, and you bring the right and the left column, and they come together, and now you've got a, a, a balanced or a reconciled statement. The statement there, now you've reconciled with that statement. So, we have been put into the right position with God when we were depraved and enemy sinners. Matter of fact, if you go to Romans chapter 5, and there we go to Romans again, and Romans 5 again. Matter of fact, verse 8 is a good place to start. I have 8 through 11 there, but let's go to verse 6. For while we were still helpless, what were we? Helpless. At the right time, Christ died for the what? The ungodly. So what are we? We were helpless and we were ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man. though perhaps for the good man, someone would dare even to die. But who did he die for? The helpless and the ungodly. But God, and here we go, demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners... Okay, we have three now. Are you ready? What are they? Helpless, ungodly sinners. And if you're one who writes in your Bible, and if you don't, then don't write in there, But because you have a deal about that. But if you like to write in your Bible or take notes, I want you to circle these words. Helpless, verse 6. Ungodly, in verse 6. In verse 8, circle sinners. So we're helpless, we're ungodly, and we are sinners. Moving on. Much more than having now been justified... Boy, is this doctrine? ...by His blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through Him for if while we were... What? Enemies. There's another one to circle. If you've been doing it, what do we have now? Helpless, ungodly, sinners, enemies. That's who we were. We were reconciled, there's a word, to God through the death of His Son. Much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. That means He ever lives to make intercession for us. Or also, by His life that He lived here on earth, that proved to be that He was perfectly righteous. And He put that righteousness on us. It can be taken two ways. And not only this, but we also exult in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the what? Reconciliation. So we saw that term several times there, haven't we? We have been reconciled when we were helpless, ungodly sinners and enemies. We couldn't do anything because we didn't want to do anything because our nature would not allow us to do it. As it says in Romans chapter 8, at about verse 7, the mindset on the flesh is hostile toward God. Enemies, right? For it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. A natural person is not able to do so. You ready for the next verse? And those who are in the flesh, natural people, look. What does it say? Cannot please God. We didn't reconcile ourselves to Him and He reconciled Himself to us. No, He reconciled us to Him. He did that. There it is again, folks. What a great God. We're proclaiming what a great Jesus Christ. The, the next one is joyful. All oh, ye nations, rise. Why wouldn't you after all this? Being reconciled, why wouldn't you have joy, right? And of course, Galatians five twenty two, when you have the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy. Matter of fact, the next one is peace. And we move on in the song. Join the triumph of the skies. Triumph. Second Corinthians chapter two, verse fourteen. But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. He leads us in triumph. He has defeated sin, death, hell, all of the enemies. He defeated Satan and all the demons as He went up to be with God the Father. And He has a body today as He intercedes for us. And we are going to be exactly like Him in the sense of being glorified. We will not be Him or God, but triumph, folks. And so, Wesley writes, join the triumph of the skies. Look at the angels proclaiming this. This is fantastic. Well, we move on. You think Wesley had a lot to say? We're still in the first verse in that hymn. With angelic hosts, proclaim. Look what they're proclaiming. And He says, with them, proclaim this. You know what that is? That's sending out the good news. Folks, we are to give this same good news. Christ the Lord has come to save people from their sins. That's our message. We proclaim that. He says, with the angels, do that. So He gets evangelization in there, doesn't He? Isn't that incredible? We're not even finished with the first verse. Christ is born in Bethlehem. Of course, Christ is another thing. We're just going to move right through it. But that's Messiah. The Messiah whom they have looked for for so long. The Messiah, the Christ. The Christ. Bethlehem. Bethlehem, the house of bread. Bethlehem. House of bread. He is the bread of life John 6 he is the bread this is the city of David this is where it had been prophesied Micah chapter 5 verse 2 we get a little bit of prophecy involved here in this great doctrinal teaching Micah in the minor prophets right at the uh Fifth chapter, verse two. But as for you, Bethlehem Ephratah, and the Ephratah is identified there because there was another Bethlehem in another place. But so he gets specific and tells beforehand about the birth of telling where it was going to be at. Do you think five hundred years before your life, somebody could have shown who you were and where you were going to be born? That's just one of many, many, many. Too little to be among the clans of Judah. So he's from the tribe of Judah. So it tells what family line he is in. From you, one will go forth for me to be ruler in Israel. His goings forth are from long ago. That means he's eternal from the days of eternity. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn King. He's been born. Now, we go into verse 2. This emphasizes who Jesus was. And who Jesus is. Christ by highest heaven adored. Christ the everlasting Lord. We're in verse 2 of the song. Hark the herald angels sing. Christ... The Messiah is the highest heaven. The highest heaven adored. That means He's adored. He's worshipped. Who alone can be worshipped? Only God. And Christ here is adored and worshipped. Christ everlasting Lord or eternal Lord. We saw in Micah that He's the everlasting, the eternal One. Late in time, behold Him come. You ever wondered what that means? Late in time, behold him come, offspring of the favored one, or actually offspring of the virgin's womb. Uh, there's been changes in those. Like I say, Whitfield and Wesley. Yeah, Whitfield had to come along and change some things. <laughs> Yay, George! Isaiah 7:14 prophesied this. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call Him Emmanuel. Prophecy. Christ the everlasting Lord late in time, behold Him come, offspring of the virgin's womb. What about that late in time, behold Him come? Late in time. Well, to the people... It seemed like a long time. Have you ever waited for something? You wait and you wait and you wait. And any time now, any time you hear the cars go by and you expect somebody to be coming for a ride, any time now, you know, you hear a car go by and then a truck. Shoom. It's a lonely sound, isn't it? It was dark. The people were in the darkness and they kept waiting. Of course, O come, O come, Emmanuel. What is that about? In the darkness they're in. They're waiting for... Finally, Emmanuel, God with us to come. They're waiting for Him. The expectations are high. But in the Bible, it says the fullness of time. Until the fullness of time has come. In Galatians, in Galatians you'll see that mentioned. God's right timing. The Pax Romana, traveling, language, all of those things. It was a lot easier at that time for people to move around. Galatians 4 says where the fullness of time is mentioned. But to them it is late in time. Behold Him come. Now He has come after all the waiting. Offspring of the virgin's womb. That's in the Christian's confessions. Offspring of the virgin's womb. Matthew's account is at the heart of the Christian's account. The virgin Mary conceived by the Holy Spirit. And as the writer Wesley here gets ready for the next line, which is veiled in flesh, is set up by this tremendous, extraordinary phrase, offspring of the virgin's womb. No other religion has that belief. You will not see that. And then it says, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. God came to earth and He is in skin like us. God, the Creator of the universe, was in skin walking around on earth looking just like an ordinary person. That's God, veiled in flesh. The very glory of God was veiled or curtained by the human flesh. This babe was in swaddling cloths lying there, and there was God lying in this manger. God lying there. We hailed. The incarnate deity. So, we see deity. We see virgin birth. We see the incarnation. John one fourteen, The Word became flesh. That's incarnate. And made His dwelling among us. And then we have seen the glory, the glory of the One and Only who came from the Father full of grace and truth. John wrote that Actually did see Jesus walking in the flesh. We know that he does that. There's one more in this verse, and it's humanity. The humanity of Jesus. Veiled in flesh of God had sea, hailed the incarnate deity. Pleased as man with men to dwell. Now what does that mean? Let's see if we can take a hack at it. You ready? pleased as man with man as well. I have always saying that and I didn't really think too much about it. Have you ever sung some songs and a lot of things stick out and then there are other lines you just sing it because that's the way it is. It's been there for decades. So I finally had to kind of peer into it and do a little bit of study and see what some other people said. What was Wesley meaning here when he said this, right? Usually you, you look through biblical um, interpretations and you go to, to the Greek and such. Uh, what is Wesley saying here? Probably he's saying God, to the person that Christ is pleased to dwell with men because He is a man. He's a man. Pleased. He was pleased to dwell with men not only for 33 years, but for
1: eternity.
0: He's the man God who will always be man who recognizes with us while He is God. We will always be man. We'll be man resurrected. But will we live with Him forever? Yes! Yes! pleased as man. He is pleased as a man to dwell with men or His people. He's pleased to do that. I like that. You know what? We can never be separated from Christ. We are joined with Him. We are in Christ. We are in Christ forever because of His great keeping power and His intercessory that He always does. He's the perfect man. We see in Christ, through His Word, what we are meant to be. When you look at Christ, we are to be Christ-like. Eventually, we will be like Him and see Him as He is. And He will be pleased with that. One day, we will be perfect. Not because we are perfect in ourselves, but because of Christ. One day we'll be perfect and without sin. That's the way Christ was whenever He was here on earth. As man with men, He was the only one that was absolute perfect with no sin. And perfectly man. 100% man. Hebrews 4.15 We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet was without sin. Do you adore this one who will make us perfect and glorified? Do you adore Him and worship Him? That's what all these songs are about. That's what the whole Bible is about. That's what life is about. The final stanza, We go in the last verse. Gives a theology of what Jesus came to do for us. That's what Wesley is pointing at now. And this is called soteriology. Can you believe in a Christmas message that you would think, well, there's not much there that I can ever get out of because I've already heard this a thousand times. Well, I'll tell you what. Going through this right here has been a super blessing to me because it just brought forth this hymn alive like it hadn't been that much alive before. It had always been. I always liked this song. I knew it was great, but wow. Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace! Hail Him! Now, when we say that, we're not talking about hailstorms, are we? Hail. And we're not talking about some Texan that's talking about the doctrine of hail. Oh, It means to acclaim, to salute, to acknowledge, to salute. I like that. To salute Him. Hail, the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail, the Son, S-U-N, of Righteousness. What incredible terms. Worship is due to this one. He was born to die. He had the crown of thorns. The reason He was born was that He would die to die for us sinners. To take away the sin. Today, will you hearken to His words? Hail Him as your Savior and King. Will you do that? What did Jesus bring? We're about ready to finish this up. Ready? Light and life to all. Light and life to all. You know how the Book of John presents him. In John eight twelve, it says he is the light of the world. Go back to chapter one. He speaks about the light there. He was the light. He was the light who created the world. He is the light who came into this dark world. Sin and evil comes in. and makes it right. At the end of Malachi chapter four, verse two. At the end of the Old Testament which really kind of leaves things in darkness. At the end of this, though, it does say this, but for you who fear My name, believers, the sun, S-U-N, of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. What does Wesley say? Light and life to all He brings, risen with healing in His wings right out of Malachi. Malachi. He's light. He's life. Abundant life. John 10. John just shows light and life all through his Gospel. You will see those words constantly be a theme that wraps up the idea of Christ. He brings life. He brings light. All those people who were in darkness who were repressed they were needy people. They were miserable people. They needed his mercy, and he brings life to them. Healings in his wings. You saw that in Malachi four two, the healing. Of course, he, you know, he he heals us in our bodies. That you know, we get wounded, and it's amazing how skin comes back, and covers up, you know, and all the different things God can heal in in an instant. But the best healing that He does of all things is He brought us from the most miserable condition that we could possibly be in. We were broken people. And He came in and put us back together again. Healing. In His wings. Do you know what? When we come to the table, do you know what's happening at the table? We're recognizing that we're broken people and we constantly need Him healing us. He is the healing source. He has healed us once, but it's a constant healing where people who need that, we know the healing is always in Christ. So as really, this is the message that's wrapped up. I don't have a, a special message for this today. This is going to go by very quick because the message is right here. And it's all about Christ. We partake of Him. He is the bread of life. He is our life. He is our life. He is everything to us. And as we do this, we are reminded that we're always in Christ. He bore our sins in His body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By His wounds you have been healed. And so we partake of this one. And so we have light life. He brings healing in His wings. And also... Mild He lays His glory by. I can't think of a better text than Philippians chapter 2. Starting at around verse 5-6. Uh, How humbling we see Him that He dies for us in such a lowly way. And He lived and then died. And it's all about humility. The humility of Christ. Mild He lays His glory by. As He set it aside, in a sense, His glory as He came to do what He had to do here. And then He prayed the great prayer, Restore that glory to me, Father. He laid it aside to take on these bodies and all the things you have to submit to in this sinful, evil world. And then we see, it gets even better, Born that man no more may die. What theology is there? Oh my, that's the resurrection. Victory over death. 1 Corinthians 15:54-57. That no more men may die. He raises the sons of earth in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, that great text on the resurrection. He says this but when this imperish, when this perishable will have put on the imperishable, and this mortal will have put on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O oh, death, where is your victory? O oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Victory over death. Wesley is bringing it to a close. And then he brings that last. Born to raise the sons of earth. He was born to die so that he would resurrect. So that we could be born again. Born to give them second birth. He was not born twice. He was born once in the flesh. He would always been here as God. He wasn't born as God. But he was born in the flesh. So that we could be born a second time. Born again. Born to give them second birth. He was born as a man so that we could be reborn. Folks, amen. What's the last line? Hark, The herald angels sing, Glory to the newborn King. When you see what all He's done, who He is, and about this birth, and then you take that backwards and you go back and you bring it all the way to salvation to us. Glory to... The King. He is no more a newborn. He is the King. Listen to what an English hymnist named Eric Routley wrote concerning Wesley's hymns. I'm not trying to glorify Wesley, but it's amazing how in three verses we got so much doctrine of Christ right here. These hymns were composed in order that men and women might sing their way not only into experience but also into knowledge. Did you experience these songs this morning? I thought it was incredible. There's a feeling there that we are to have. We are to feel when we worship. We should let it out. Sing loud to God. Be whatever your emotions want to do. Whatever your body would like to do. Shout it out to God how great He is. That's experience. But he says, it's not only into experience are those songs, but also knowledge. That the cultured might have their culture baptized and the ignorant might be led into truth by the gentle hand of melody and rhyme. Oh, how this hymn can be a helpful tool in understanding the importance of our Savior who was born for us to die for our sins that we may not die. Merry Christmas to you all. Father, we thank you for this great text in uh, Luke chapter 2, which described all these so many things and all these songs that we sang this morning. There's so much more to the Christmas story, but there's much, much more of what Christ did. And... He had to come here. had to be born in the way He did. It's all glorious as we look at that. And Lord, as we take one last thing in our public worship here today, may we take the fact that there is healing in Your wings. We have a need and we have to continue to feed on You to stay healthy. The Word of God is how we do that along also with a material way of doing it spiritually and in a material way just memorializes the sense of what You've done, where You've put us at. You are pleased as man to live among us and You have put us and joined us to You. We are in Christ as one body and may that message linger as we have need for You because You died for us. And may this give You glory as we finish up our worship today. What a great honor it's been to honor You. In the Son's name, Amen. I trust I've everybody. Let's pray. Father, you brought us together. You put us together in the person of Christ. And we can do nothing else but just praise you. We hail you as King of the Kings. May we hearken. This great message about the person of Christ and realize that it brings us to this very day. And He's made a covenant with us, it's brought us in to be like the person of Christ. And as He continues to work in us, we know that one day it's all leading to. In the very presence of God. Lord, our sins we bring before you. When we recognize that we have such a battle, but when we be depending on you evermore, each and every day, growing in you so that we can fight off the sin and take you. Through your spirit, we can do that at the same time as we're sorry, repenting of those songs, sins and confessing. We also thank you for your grace and mercy, your love, that has put us into a position that now we stand before you in righteousness. In Jesus' name, amen. Sam Let's sing one verse. Hark, the herald angels sing.
1: But, but an umbrella is going to be something So I'm down there. i Great. I I it. I Yeah. That was a reaction. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> you would? Yeah, <laughs> <were, good. laughs> like, <"This> <laughs> no, I will <haven't> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I feel like Deliver, looking around can't find yeah. 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 yeah, that's
0: cool.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I just Yeah Instead of Zach, I think we